Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagon Begone Personal Organization. Um, Before I start today, I just want to tell you that I'm almost totally booked in New York. If anybody wants to set some time with me in their homes, um, please leave me a voicemail and I will, with your phone number and what town you're in, and um, I will, um, I'll get back to you. Um, Okay. So I had some great calls this week. Esty called me about, oh, before I talk about Esty, someone from Lakewood called me and I didn't catch her name and told me she's doing 2017 and 2017. And um, she had a question. For those of you who don't remember, 2017 is 20, in 2017 is decluttering 2017 items in the year 2017. Um, I'm personally doing that. I'm at around number 700. It's really painfully slow for me. Although uh, my boys did clean out their room this week and we got another maybe 100 items I got to count. I didn't check yet. Uh, um, Excuse me. And um, so I don't know if I'm going to reach my 2017 goal, um, but at least I'll try. (laughs) Um, So I just wanted to tell you sort of... um, what I do in 2017 for 2017 and what I count um, because the lady had a question about how to count. So you guys can make up your own rules. I personally don't count um, any paper. If, If paper was part of it, I'd be totally done already. I don't count any paper. I don't count anything that I'm automatically replacing. So for example, a pair of my shoes, um, got like so worn out. They had a hole in them. I I had to replace them. I only have eight pairs of shoes. So, um, or actually I think I have 10. Um, um, but I had to replace them because they were like very, very worn out. So I didn't count that pair of shoes because, um, you know, they were worn out. So for example, I had two pairs of flip flops, but I only replaced them with one. So I actually counted the flip flops as one, but, um, when I wore out one pair of uh, my, my dress shoes, um, I know that I'm going to be replacing them. So I, I, didn't, I didn't count those. Um, same thing with my kids' clothes. When, um, let's say, I have to get rid of like a couple pairs of underwear or I have to get, pair, get rid of some shirts or, or pants or whatever, I don't necessarily count them until I make a cheshbon of how much I need um, to replace them. So if my boys had like five pairs of shorts and I'm only replacing them with three, then okay, I'll count that I got rid of two items. So I hope that answers your question. Um, but you guys can count however you like. <laughs> um, it's totally up to you. Uh, for example, I got rid of, um, I don't remember what it was now, but there was something, it was like a group of things. And instead of counting them as individual items, I counted them as a grouping because to me they're a set and they go together. Um, so yeah, so I hope that answers your question, lady from Lakewood. And if it doesn't, then call me back and leave another one. Okay, let's get to Esty now. Esty called me about time management. I love talking about time management. I want to just remind you of the basic principles of time management. And I want to illustrate through Esty's exuberance how, how she actually got through them. When you have a task, whatever the task is, it's important to break it down into steps and try to estimate how long each step of the task takes. 
this will make the task uh, more manageable. So I like to call that micro-tasking. Um, Esty told me that she was just procrastinating on certain tasks because she just thought like they're too big and the tasks are too hard. And, and, and once she realized how long the task took her, it actually wasn't so bad. So she said um, that she was really lazy about um, changing after work when she came home from school as a uh, from her job as a teacher and she said that she would just take off her clothes change into her house clothes put up her shaitel um and that she didn't want to really do that right away and she would go on to something else but then when she would come back to her room before she was ready to go to bed her room would be a mess so she timed herself and figured out how long it took her to just Put away the few simple clothes, put away her shaitel, take off her jewelry and put it away. And she found out that it only took five minutes to do it. And it saved her so much heartache when she came back to her room at night because she didn't have to clean up later when she was more tired. And so she said that she's really pleased with those results. She highly recommends doing it. And I'm, I'm so glad that she called me and told me how she put it in, in practice. She timed herself to say how long it would take her. And she made it into sort of a game, like, can I do it by this time? And that's really important. When you time out your tasks, you get sort of a better understanding about um, how, how much time you need to devote them and you learn to them you you learn how much time you need to devote to each task and you learn how to budget time accordingly in your day so if you have five tasks that must be completed in one day it's important that you know how long each task will take you and if even completing those five tasks in one day is even possible let's talk about a short shabbos um, in the winter when Shabbos starts in some places as early as like 2.30, like in England. Um, <clears throat> I was once in England uh, in the winter time in November and my husband and I were totally shocked. We're like, what? Shabbos said starts so early. The beauty is that it ends early too, so that's nice. Um, so you have Friday morning, but you also have Monte Shabbos to chillax and do things. It's, it's a nice combination. Anyways, um, in the winter time, we're definitely in a time crunch, a lot of us are in a time crunch, to get things done before Shabbos, to make sure we have Friday night dinner, to make sure we have lunch on Shabbos. Maybe we have Sudash Lishit in the winter, but still, we, we want to have something in case the kids are hungry. In America, you know, I guess the earliest Shabbos starts is 4.30. So still, when Shabbos is over, 5.30 time, it's like supper time in my house. My kids are starving by then, so I try to give them Sudash Lishit earlier and... I still have to have three meals ready. And the thing for me is that knowing how long it takes me to prepare those three meals is how I can get through the day, how I can, um, how I can figure out how, long, how much time I actually need. How long does it take me to have the chicken in? While the chicken's in, can the sweet potatoes bake? Um, while those two things are in the oven, am I making the rice on the stovetop? Like, um, figuring out how to apportion my time and set things up so that they're stacked on each other and working together is what really is going to make you more productive with your time. Um, when you know how long things take, it's easier 
to budget the time and figure out where to slot things in. So I, I don't make the same thing every week for Shabbos, but I know that I put in the chicken first and then I put in the sweet potatoes and then I start making the lentils and then like I do all these things in a specific order. I have had it down to more of a art already that I know how long things take me. I don't have to stand there all day. I don't have to prepare all day. And like I could sometimes do other things while those things are cooking. Not sometimes, always. I can always do other things while the chicken is in the oven. Like that's inactive time that I don't need to be focused on the chicken. I can focus on making the salad or whatever else I want to make. So um, thank you so much, Esty, for calling me and telling about your success. Yay for your success. And I'm really excited for you. And I want you to keep me updated on your progress. Um, Malki from Israel called me and said she appreciated my clarification about zero waste versus low waste. Um, like I said, I've said this many times before. Um, I don't think that zero waste is a completely attainable goal. Um, until manufacturing changes, it's really not. I think even hundreds of years ago, people were still producing waste. That's sort of the nature of society and people. But that being said, I think we can do a lot, lot better. And, and so in addition to wasting less in general and purchasing less and saving ourselves money, all of these things help us be more organized. The only reason that I talk about zero waste at all really is if it's something that I do, but um, it's more like low waste, but the reason that I talk about it, DAFCA, is because I actually believe it's connected to organization. I actually think that when you have less, you have more. And when you, the, if you look around your homes and really see what's cluttering up your homes, it's mostly garbage. And so for me, I don't like to put a Band-Aid on the problem. I want to actually fix the problem at its source. If we stop purchasing as much as we're purchasing, we're more conscientious about our purchasing, we'll reduce our waste, and we'll reduce our clutter. So if that wasn't a clear like progression on my thoughts, um, I hope that that will clarify it. Please feel free to ask me um, questions on that. But for me, the biggest... Um, Deterrent to organization is, is having too much trash in your home. I cannot even begin to tell you how much trash I throw out when I'm with a client. It's never less than three bags of trash. Um, and that's not to even mention the clothing that we throw away, the things that, that we recycle, um, you know, but so much of what we actually throw in the garbage can't actually be recycled because there just aren't facilities to do it or the item is too mixed that you're not able to do it. Um, and so I just, I want everybody to just sort of be aware. The reason why I think that we should be zero waste if we're trying to get organized or head towards zero waste if we're trying to be organized or even low waste is because those things keep you organized. Now, um, if you, if you want to look at it in addition to the organization perspective, 
There is also the Torah perspective on waste. A lady called me and said to me, last time, on my last, um, on my last lecture, I didn't seem to give the same reason as I gave before. I gave Vapta Larecha Kamocha and not Baltashlit, and she thinks I'm like flip-flopping on my answers. I'm not flip-flopping on my answers. I was responding to a direct question about why we should care about other people. <laughs> the question was, why should I care where my trash goes or if it affects other people? That's one answer. It's not, Baltashlit is not the answer to why should I care if my trash affects other people. To me, that's Vatalarecha The reason is always Baltashlit is 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 a negative commandment. And we're warned not to do it. We have several places in Pshat, in Torah, that clearly show us where waste is a problem. And we have numerous sources on, on halachot that we observe that um, illustrate the fact that waste is a problem. Another lady called me and asked me, oh, this is the same lady asking me all these questions. So she asked me, why aren't Gedolim speaking out about this? And I think that environmental issues are really, um, they're a bit tricky. I, I think not everybody sort of realizes the impact our stuff has on, on us, on the environment. Um, but actually, there's a really great book um, by Rav Yonatan Nerl um, and um, Ivan Mazurk um, called Uplifting Planet and People, which I've spoken about before. And um, it gives a lot of great feedback. There's a lot of... Um, religious organizations, eco-organizations. The one that's most prominent is Kanfei Nesharim. Um, the thing is, is that I think this is sort of a new topic. I think um, that um, we don't, it's not new. It's not new, but I think it's new in a lot of our minds. So many ladies are calling me and telling me, oh, I've never heard these ideas before. I just don't think they're at the forefront of so much thought at this point. Um, I mean, we always hear about Gidolim, who even though they had money, they lived in like semi-poverty, uh, that they used their stuff till its end. Uh, it bothers me that there isn't a gadol that has come out and said this, actually. Um, I would be happy to have a conversation with any Rav if anybody would like me to specifically have a haskama from somebody. I would be happy to speak to any Rav and explain my point of view and try to get a haskama. Um, let me know what you, um, who you're thinking about. Uh, make it possible for me to speak to that person and I will speak to them and like I I am a personal organizer I'm sharing with you my thoughts on how I think organization you can best get organized it happens to be that this is something I do for myself in my home I feel like on my own study and research I found enough Torah sources to believe that the movement of zero waste is a Torah source. If you don't agree with me, you don't have to agree with me. <laughs> it's okay with me. Um, 
but I'm not coming up with different reasons. The more and more I talk about it and the more and more I learn about it, the more ammunition, if you will, I have and more sources. Last week when I spoke about what happens with Shemitah, I was like very, like it, it, it's something that I think about and it, it was relative to me and um, it never was relative to me really before I moved to America. Although a lady did call me and say how sometimes produce from Israel does sneak across the border into America and, and it's sometimes Kedusha and it is a problem and you should learn about it. It's less of a problem in America than it is in Israel because most of our products, most of our agricultural products are stay in Israel and they're not shipped for export. Um, but that being said, I mean, Jaffa oranges are a huge export from Israel. Um, it, it is an issue to buy sometimes certain products from Israel during certain years. So you do have to be aware of when it's Shemitah, when it's not Shemitah. I mean, there's loads of halachic loopholes to get around Shemitah. You know, you sell, like on Pesach, where you sell your chametz, but okay, I don't want to... I don't want to get into the halachic aspect of it. All I'm saying is that there are many, many sources for why we should um, halachically consider being low waste or zero waste, okay? One of them is baltashrit, one of them is shemitah, one of them is is like halachic, like, um, I'm sorry, uh, stories in Pshat, like Yaakov crossing the Yardane, David, um, um, cutting uh, Shaul's robe. Um, I mean, the, the Rashi, when we know that um, Shlomo HaMelech becomes Melech, or later on after he is already king, Rashi specifically says there that part of the reason why Shlomo HaMelech, the wisest man ever, um, is you know loses his malchus is because um, he had too many wives and too many horses. I mean, that is a, a, a study in excess right there. When you have too much, you can't think clearly. I mean, that's not simple shot. It's definitely brought down in Mepharshim. But the point is, is that these ideas are real in Torah. And I think that just because a, a Rav hasn't given a Haskama and said, please, everybody go and do zero waste, it doesn't mean that it's not a valuable aspect of what, we should be doing zero waste and the mainstream is kind of a new concept so it's not actually surprising to me that a major rav hasn't come out for it but what i will say is this that um if you look at let's say someone like rev cook okay um rev cook sort of um imagine this utopic society where um there's, there's a debate on whether or not Rev Cook was a vegetarian. Some say he wasn't a true vegetarian, some say he was, some say he was vegetarian during the week and ate meat on Shabbos. I'm not really sure, I've just done a little bit of research on it, but what I understand from his doctrine about vegetarian, vegetarianism and peace is that basically he sort of imagined this utopic Jewish society where we're living in, in the world with other people where the ultimate goal is to not eat meat because our animal instinct reduces itself and 
okay, a lot of topics that are <laughs> way beyond the scope of this, this class, but um, to me, when we have low waste, it's very much like a utopic um, ideal. I, I, it's like I said before, I don't actually think zero waste is a totally achievable goal. Low waste, reducing your waste, is an achievable goal. We live, we're people, we have waste, we have needs, we, we need things, but we shouldn't be doing more than what we need. So, for example, if we eat animals, we should not eat as much as we do. And the thing is, is this goes to the next question um, that this one lady asked me. Um, these people don't complain about things and we never heard anybody complain about living next to trash and why should we worry about it? And the thing is, is that I think industry spreads itself a lot farther than we give it credit for. So for example, I actually just watched a documentary about, um, what was it called? I think it was called, I don't remember, I have to look it up. Um, anyway, the point is, is that I, I'm gonna look it up right now as we're speaking. Um, we, we sort of, we sort of, um, oh, it's called, the movie's called What the Health. And it's a movie about how sort of the health industry is, is um, corrupt. Um, and one of the people featured in the movie lived in rural, I don't know, North Carolina, I think. And she lived next to a meat processing plant. Okay, so this is not directly related to garbage. I don't know how much any of you know about how non-kosher meat is processed, um, and I think that kosher meat sometimes is also processed this way, so not exactly this way, but similar. But the animals live in very, very, this, this particular lady lived next to a pig processing um, plant, and um, the processing plant moved there after she lived there. It was much smaller um, and it's sort of grown in size because the demand for, for pork has grown substantially in America and the amount of meat that Americans eat in general is much higher than um, it used to be 50, 60, 70 years ago. And so what happens is, is all these animals, whether it's pigs or meat or chickens, they live close together in um, really, really poor living conditions. A lot of them are penned up in pens just wide enough to fit their bodies. They can't turn around. They can either stand up or sit down, and that's it. They're living in their own muck. They, their pens are not really clean. They're given loads and loads of medication so that they can stay healthy because they're living in such close quarters. They're not allowed to exercise. Um, it's really Sar When I see this video, it makes me very, 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 very sad. Even though I don't obviously eat pork, but it's very, very sad to me that animals are treated that way. Um, because all the animals are in so close quarters, their pens are not cleaned properly. 
when they're when they're clean to like delouse them. Um, the water runs into sort of a treatment facility, and then it's sprayed out onto the empty space between this lady's house and and the factory. And she said that the smell, even though she's like about a mile away from it or half a mile away from it, the smell is so strong that it has made her family asthmatics. It's such a terrible, strong, disgusting smell. It's made her family ill. But the thing is, is she doesn't have the financial capacity to move. And anyways, who would buy her house? Because who would want to live next to that smell? And so the point is, is that sometimes in life, as I'm sure you all know this from your day-to-day -day events, things are beyond our control. Okay, we move to a nice area, um, you know, when we're 20. And by the time we're 70, maybe that area is overrun with crime or the neighborhood has been dilapidated because the homeowners have not cared for, for the buildings. But you cared for your house. That doesn't mean the value of your house will not go down. So things are sometimes beyond people's control. And there are people complaining. But that doesn't mean that we hear about them. America is a huge country. <laughs> And do you know every bit of, of news that's happening in every other state besides for your state? I mean, there are major environmental problems um, with people who live in, in, in certain parts of the country. And just because we see empty land in America doesn't mean that we can just throw trash on it or treat it callously, um, first of all, a lot of the land is in the U.S. is actually protected in trusts, and so a lot of it cannot be dumped on or built on. Um, I happen to know this for a fact because my sister actually works for an organization, a not-for-profit called the Land Trust Alliance, and that is part of what she does as her job, is she lobbies the government to make large protected areas to protect wildlife, to protect the beauty of of America. America is a beautiful country and you know we shouldn't just throw trash on it. Now the thing is is in New York City the trash is um, shipped to Pennsylvania, some of it. Um, but, but, here's a but, a lot of the trash is shipped to India, China, from other parts of the from other parts of the country. It's shipped to all these like third world countries and those people do live close to the trash because they don't have a choice. They are um, living in refugee camps, which is often where trash gets, uh, not refugee camps, but shanty towns. And they are oftentimes living close, very close to the garbage through no choice of their own. Just because we don't hear about these situations doesn't mean that they don't exist. And I think that I am shocked when I see these pictures or, or hear this kind of news. It's very shocking to me. It's very sad. I live in a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful part of Israel. It's gorgeous here. And um, it makes me, I don't, it makes me very sad to think that like every day the street sweeper comes and sweeps up the street and I see what he's putting in his garbage bin and it's just so callous. It's, it's plastic bottles where there's a recycling, public recycling bin for plastic bottles just 50 feet away. Like you couldn't take the effort to put it in the bin 50 feet. Like it's, it's sad to me. We, we just don't care about what we use. We don't have any, we don't place any value. We think it comes in a throwaway container and 
we can just throw it away. And it's, it's definitely a problem. Um, the last question this lady asked me, and she didn't leave her name and she didn't say where she was from, um, is that if everyone is minimizing to one bag of garbage, how will that change anything? We'll still, we'll still have, have trash. Okay, so it's true. If everybody produces one bag of garbage a week, we'll still have trash. But it'll be a lot more manageable because instead of having 10 bags of garbage, we'll have one. And I think the question that she was really asking me was, how can we really reduce to that anyways? Because she mentioned, should we all go back to using Pampers? You know, we should, I mean, should we all go back to using cloth diapers? What am I going to do with my potato peels? Well, I've said numerous times, potato peels, if you live in New York City, can go on the compost. You can make your own compost in your backyard and spread it on your plant in your, in your home and save money on fertilizer. You can do lots of things to reduce your trash. And actually, in some places, cloth diaper services are actually cheaper than Pampers or di disposable diapers. So yeah, go back to using disposable, uh, non-disposable diapers if a diaper service is cheaper. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> it's better for the environment and it will save you money. It's not really any more hassle. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I go into people's homes and there's five or six dirty diapers on the floor that they haven't even thrown away yet and the house smells anyways. When you get a diaper service, they give you a concealed bin and, and they, um, you know, put it, they come and they take it away and they deliver you back fresh diapers. Like, I know plenty of Yiddish people who are using cloth diapers here in Israel. I know that, I know people in America are using cloth diapers. A lot of people say that they're just easier, especially, you know, if they're just urine, um, you just throw them in the washing machine. I mean, how is it any different than a pair of underwear that your three-year-old has an accident in? I mean, it's, to me, it's the same, same difference. Um, I think it's all about how you shift in your mind. And, and if you think it's nuts, okay, think it's nuts. I really don't care. <laughs> um, my goal is not to convert you to my side. My goal is to help you be more organized. This is how I think you can be more organized. If you don't wanna buy into my theory, okay, then don't. It's okay with me. Um, I hope I answered all your questions. If I didn't answer all your questions, please call me back and let me know. Um, but I'm just looking over the list. I, I answered why aren't uh, Gedolim adding, you know, their Haskamas. If you want, like I said, if you want me to speak to someone specifically, I'll be happy to try to get a Haskama from them. Um, I'm not changing my reasons. I was addressing a different topic from a different call last week, but ultimately I think Baltashkrit is the main reason why we should um, embrace a zero waste or a low waste lifestyle. And I actually believe that it will help us be more organized. Um, the U.S. is full of empty spaces, and I address that, that it's not always empty, that sometimes the land is protected. Um, and people, um, you know, do not always have a choice about where they live, and they can't always make a move, and they're not always so mobile. Um, and that was the last question. And and um, and then if you do minimize your garbage, we'll still have a garbage problem. It's true, we'll still have a garbage problem. But at least when we have a smaller garbage problem, it will affect lots of, lots of things overall. If everybody's only producing one bag of garbage, we'll spend a lot less fuel 
um, shipping our garbage places, which is way better for the environment overall. So um, I hope that answered all your questions. Um, Miriam called me. I'm going to move on to Miriam. She called me and she told me she decluttered a whole bunch of papers on her microwave while she was listening. Um, she said, though, that she still like has things on her to-do list that she needs to do, and you know she's writing them still on loose papers. So here's what I'm going to recommend to you, Miriam. This is, uh, goes back to the time management. Find a notebook in your home. I'm sure you have one that's half used. Um, write out the next few days the date on top of each page, okay? And all ladies, you can all do this. Um, or buy yourself a nice new notebook. Um, or buy yourself a daily planner, a diary, um, and with every day on it. Every day, write down the tasks you need to do and cross out the ones that are finished. And every night, spend five minutes to cross out everything that you did and move the, the things that you didn't do to the next day and to get them done. And this way, all of your notes and issues and thoughts and reminders will all be in one place and you can plan them out by the day. Okay, um, the next thing you have to do is sort of like figure out what's holding you back from completing um, tasks. Estimate, and this goes back to the time management. What's holding you back? Uh, you have to make a phone call. Why haven't you made a phone call? You need a few minutes of quiet time. So look through your schedule, pick a time when you know it's gonna be quiet, let's say two o'clock, right before your kids come home at three o'clock, you know you have a fast deadline, three o'clock, you have an hour to get this task done and make this phone call where you'll have quiet. Um, it's, really, it's really how you designate um, your, your time each day will allow you to complete um, all these little reminders that are not getting done and um, you'll be able to budget time for them more when you can see them all in one place with a notebook. So I hope that made sense um, and I hope that it works for you. <laughs> um, okay, there's one other thing that I would like to address. Um, I'm giving a disclaimer. If you're on speakerphone, you might want to take off the speakerphone. Um, a lady sent me an email saying how she was very upset about certain things that I spoke about and that she had the phone on speakerphone and um, her husband and son were in the room and she was rushing to turn off the phone. So here's your last warning. I'm going to talk about it now. If you don't want anyone else to hear, put your phone off the speaker. Um, I apparently spoke about twice in episode eight and in episode 19, I don't remember briefly about using a menstrual cup. Um, I want to just say this is that, um, pads and tampons are loaded, loaded with toxic chemicals. They are very, very, very unhealthy. Not to mention that every month they cost us about seven to $10. Okay. If you want to save money, if you want to do something that's healthier, if you want to make your time of the month more comfortable for you, I highly suggest using a menstrual cup. If you don't like this suggestion, then don't do it. It, it will make you a million times more organized. I can't even begin to tell you 
how much more comfortable, how much easier, how much cleaner, how much more comfortable I am um, because I use a menstrual cup. Um, it's, it's, it, it's one less thing to think about. I always have it with me. It's easy, okay? Um, and then she said to me that I was talking about Vavtalarecha Kamocha and I, um, I mentioned that I was upset that my husband hurt himself, okay? Uh, and then she said that I was a hypocrite because I, uh, I was angry. I'm not, I want to be clear, in case anybody else was thinking this, I'm not angry at my husband for hurting himself. Although I will say that I did ask him for months before to please start exercising again so that he could better take care of himself. And when he did exercise like one time on a lark with my boys way past what he should have been doing, um, he hurt himself. And so, yes, it's frustrating for me that I had been asking him to take care of his health for a few months. Um, and then I had to change my routine, adjust my schedule and take care of him. And it is, it was hard for me. I don't have four children. I only have three. Having my husband out of commission was like having an extra child. And even though my husband was incredibly compassionate and lovely and wonderful during his um, convalescence, um, it was still really challenging for me having one less pair of hands. Both of us work full time. Um, we share the responsibilities in our house. Um, I think we have designed a system after being married for 15 years where, where we work really well together and we really do love each other and we're very happy together. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm not upset when my routine and my schedule get massively changed and I have way more increase of burden on myself than I did before. I think that's a totally natural human reaction. I'm not saying I was being cruel to him. Like, I was doing the best I could to be as compassionate as possible to his needs. And if that wasn't clear from what I said, and I went back and listened to that episode again, if that wasn't clear from what I said, well, then I misspoke. But I absolutely was only upset at the situation, not at him like I didn't never said I didn't help him I helped him the best way that I could while still attending to the needs of, of my children and he was patient and he was kind and he was really really wonderful and I just I wanted to clear that up in case anybody else thought that because honestly I do my best to be kind to everybody and um, I was actually a little bit hurt by that because I actually don't, when I went back and listened to it, I really didn't think that anything was um, out of the ordinary. If you, don't, if you don't like what I say, then you don't have to listen. It's a choice. I mean, I, I come every week. I, as from what I understand from the voicemails that I'm getting, I'm one of the only people who's updating every week on time consistently. And... I value my time tremendously and it is difficult for me to um, 
to answer every single voicemail and email that I get from you ladies and to still make a recording for you know 45 minutes every single week. That's a big chunk of my time. I catalog what I write about, what I speak about every week. Um, it, it's taking me more than just the time to, to actually sit here and speak to you. So I put a tremendous amount of time into to doing a carousel bias. I make absolutely no money from doing it. I'm doing it because I believe that I have a valuable message to spread about organization. I believe it's part of my tough kid to, to help people in general, specifically with organization, but also in general. I believe that my approach to organization is unique because I incorporate an aspect of organization that most other personal organizers aren't incorporating. They're not dealing with the waste. They're telling you to go out and buy more and more and more bins to keep all the things that you have organized. But really the truth is, is that you can't organize those things. And having a lot of things isn't helpful. And reducing what you have is helpful. And therefore, I do this because I feel like my message is important for everyone to hear, especially to, to you all wonderful ladies. I think it's a message that you have all not heard. If you don't like it, okay, there's nothing I can do. You don't have to like what I say or agree with what I say, and you're welcome to call me up and disagree with me, but please do so with courtesy and respect, and because I do dedicate a lot of time, and I treat everybody with respect. Things sometimes make me upset when I hear certain things. And um, I get it. You don't have to like what I say. Um, but the point is, is please be respectful when you speak to me and address me. You're not, I'm a bit, I'm a grown up, like, but I do devote a lot of time to this. And the least you could do is address me with courtesy. And um, I, I'm a person and, you know, I do get frustrated and hurt and upset and I am, I'm not just sitting here in a bubble. Um, I recognize that all of your struggles regarding organization, regarding reducing your waste, they're real struggles and your struggle is not my struggle and we all have a different struggle and we all have a different approach to things and I think that we can all um, live in harmony, <laughs> however hokey that sounds. We can all live, you know, with conflicting views as long as we have a little bit of respect for each other. Um, just to close, um, I, I want to hear what you have to say. Your feedback is important to me. And I think that um, from the, from the responses that I've gotten, the impact, um, I've made in people's lives just from talking, not even from paying a home visit to somebody, um, has been immense. And I really hope from the bottom of my heart that Hashem will all help you, um, be more organized to help you reduce your clutter, to help you manage your time better, to help you reduce your waste. I, I, I really wish that for all of you. And um, like I said, if you need additional help or support, I will, I will help you. Send me a picture if you can. Um, 
and you know I'm happy to you feel free to email me for those of you that do have email I know not everybody has email um, I'm I can't please all the people all the time so if someone's unhappy that I mention email then I apologize but for the people who do have email it is a valuable tool and I respond most quickly to email and so <clears throat> um, I suggest you do email me with pictures or questions. I will personally respond. In fact, some of you know, I have personally called you back when you have left me specific messages or pressing messages or very personal messages that I feel have need to be addressed. And I addressed each and every one of you. So please, um, I, I don't want to talk in a bubble. I don't like it. Uh, it's very like uh, disconcerting for me. I, I, I want to know that you're out there. I want to know who I'm talking to. When you call me, tell me your name. Tell me where you're from. Um, if you don't want me to say your name, then, then fine. Tell me that. But um, it helps me understand who I'm talking to when you tell me your names and when you tell me where you're from. It helps me um, understand you or gives me a little bit more insight into who you are even though it's totally a judgment on that respect but it, it allows me to imagine you and your situation a little bit better and be more compassionate in my response um right okay so <laughs> i've droned on long enough um this episode was a little bit challenging for me um it it had a lot of like there was a bunch of questions that felt really like, what? anyway, um, I hope I addressed everybody's questions and everybody's issues. In the future, I will say this. I will give a disclaimer when I speak about something that is specific to women um, and that is not for general um, ears to hear. And I will say that, you know, turn off your speaker phones and I'll give you a chance couple of seconds to turn off your speaker phones okay um, I apologize for not being sensitive to that fact you see I didn't know that ladies were listening on the speaker I personally don't like to do anything on the speaker I use an ear set and plugged into my phone when I speak on any phone because to me I can hear so much better it's not in my uh, mentality to listen to things on speakerphone I just don't do it so it's not something that I thought about and I appreciate you pointing it out to me and I will do my best to make sure that if I am talking about sensitive subjects to um, make sure I give a disclaimer before that. So, okay, ladies, I wish you all a peaceful week. I wish you an organized week. I wish you a week with less waste. I wish you a week full of joy and happiness and I wish you serenity from the clarity that you have now achieved because you are organized and you have no clutter and you don't have to take out the trash because you didn't make any trash. <laughs> um, I want you to all remember that Hashem is keeping you organized. Um, just repeat it to yourself as a mantra. When time seems to be getting the better of you, say, Hashem didn't want me to complete it today. Everything's happening for the best and it's all okay. Um, I know that everything's gonna happen in the right time. Try to stay calm and cool and collected 
And if you need me, I'm here. Either on email at Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H, at balagambigon.com, or you can voice message me through Akira Sabayas. Um, you can... You can't send me a fax. <laughs> um, but if you guys want me to get a fax number, tell me and I'll try to get one. Um, I respond to the calls. If you feel like you need me, if you feel like you want to speak to me on the phone, Tove, leave me your phone number and I'll call you back. Um, Tove, thank you for joining me for episode 21. Um... Have a great week.